Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our next episode of Serious Shot. Hey, Pam. Hey, Heather. What are we talking about today? Well, Pam, today is the Hope and Opportunity podcast. What? Right? I know. We've had a really busy, crazy week down at the Capitol, and I think that people are feeling defeated after a couple of bills that kind of went sideways, didn't go our way. But I think that we need to show the silver lining, give people some reasons for hope, and give some opportunities for making a difference. So that's what I want to focus on today. And um, if you could, Pam, can you review the two biggest bills that we were looking at this week that, that were, there were hearings on? Sure. So this week at the Capitol, um... We had HB 231029, which was Brandy Bradley and Mark Baisley's bill to prohibit minor consent to the COVID vaccine. And about that was a good bill to support. Wait, about, to prohibit it? Not to prohibit minor consent. Oh, yeah, to prohibit minor consent to for enforce. Should we start over? No, you're good because parents parents get confused <laughs> when they read these, you know, titles, right? Like, yes, right. we're prohibiting minor consent, meaning yes. we want parents to consent. Promoting parental consent. Now we're tracking. Forcing parental <laughs> consent. <laughs> You're on your toes, everyone listening. Thank you. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes. Um, so yeah, this is a good bill to support. It's it, it didn't take away anyone's right to get the COVID vaccine. It just said, let's put that extra precaution out there because there has been demonstrated mandates and coercion. And let's make sure that parents are consenting to this, to this drug. And, and, and parents testified they're about, it was a full room, one of those basement rooms at the Capitol. I was there, um, at least 50 people testified in support of this bill. And of course, about uh, eight, uh, who I call pharma shills, you know, these people who are recruited to go there and, and testify and say um, that you know, that the vaccine is FDA approved and it's um, it, it's safe and effective. Sorry, I got distracted by my screen there for a minute. So anyways, um, the parents gave good testimony of examples of, you know, there's extracurriculars and sports and opportunities for young people where they the minor is informed that you need to have this vaccine maybe without exemption rights being provided. And of course, minors want to participate in extracurriculars and sports and things. And there have been cases of, you know, um, minors consenting to this vaccine. And so without a true verification that the parent consented. And I thought uh, Brandy Bradley gave one of the greatest bill intros I've ever heard. She is a, a lioness at heart. And I think we'll include that later in the podcast. And then the bad bill, that bill did not pass. Um, uh, the bad bill was HB 231003 by uh, Jeanette and Cutter, and this did pass. And this is that mental health assessment bill for sixth through 12th graders. And CHDA had sent out some concerns about this assessment. The biggest concern being this is data mining students with a non-evidence-based assessment for mental health issues, allegedly. Um, and uh, substance abuse. And it's really a third party that's data mining students and can refer students to a counselor, six free counseling sessions without parental notification or involvement or um, consent. Again, ultimately the heart of these issues are parental consent, parental rights. And that bill, that bill got also very controversial. I think it went to five hours of testimony. And we have some clips today as well of some of these lawmakers that get triggered by the whole idea of parental consent. And anyone out there who didn't hear our last podcast that's interested in this bill can listen to it because we went through it pretty extensively on our last podcast on the HB 231003. And just to clarify, those just those both passed out of the first committee. So they haven't passed fully, but they did pass out of the first committee. Just the mental health assessment, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, the other bill is dead. It didn't pass, so it's done. So this looks like we had a week of defeat. So why are we, where is the hope, Pam? I'm gonna tell you where I think the hope is. 
I think there's a lot of reasons for hope after this week. One, we've got brave citizens who are willing to stand up for what is right. And we heard that in testimony this week. We'll be paying, playing a clip to uh, illustrate that a little bit later. And we want to encourage people to keep going back. Do not give up. Um, I think you'll see some great examples some, of some really brave people this week. Number two, we've got brave legislators willing to forward bills despite the odds. And we're gonna, as Pam said, play a clip from uh, Brandy Bradley, who is amazing and very well-spoken. And her bill was clear cut, give per parent parental consent, put it into, put it into law and it, it was not passed, which is very telling and we'll get into that. Um, these bills or these hearings and, and the things that the legislators are saying in these hearings give us great insight into the true motivations and the nature of our opponents and those are put on public record so it's really important to get these people's viewpoints on public record and they are um, and we can still make a difference and as we talked about in our new year's letter and in our theme this year is we're going to have to change our strategy and as we learn we're going to adjust so um pam you gave us a little bit of uh, some examples of what we saw this week in these hearings the brave citizens the brave legislators that forwarded 129 or 1029 self-incriminating legislators, reg legislators, and a list of organizations that put pharma and profit over the sacred bond between parent and child. We're going to hear a little bit about that in a second. Both of those bills that you told us about, Pam, have themes of parental rights. And on both bills, the Democrats voted in party line against the rights of parents. And they were backed by big lobbying organizations. They put pharma and profits over parents. That was the theme of the week. So I wanna have play that uh, clip by Brandy Bradley, who was the main sponsor of HB 231029. She did an amazing introduction to her bill. And I just wanna play a tiny short clip um, that she, of, of something that she said that was a pretty simple and clear cut um, of what her what her motivations were. So can we get that queued up and play that Brandy Bradley clip? This should be an open and shut case and no bill required. So you may be wondering why I would even bring this bill forward because Senate Bill 21-016 protecting preventive health coverage allows minors 12 and older to consent to obtain certain vaccines such as Hep A, Hep B, and HPV, because states around this country are still attempting forced COVID vaccinations. With forced employee and employer mandates for the COVID vaccine, mandatory COVID vaccines to attend colleges and universities, parents are afraid that the COVID vaccine will eventually be mandated for school-aged children. This bill takes a lot of fear out of that and allows parents to be engaged in their children's medical decisions. It's pretty open and shut, right? She's trying to allay fears of parents that their children will somehow be able to be uh, self-consenting to this COVID vaccine at some point in time and wants to just get it into law that that is not a possibility and it was shot down. Um, I listened to a lot of the testimony. You were there. It sounds like people were really confused especially on, on the side against it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, what your observations were? Well, we have to distinguish between confusion and feigned confusion. <laughs> um, these, these types of bills, they always feign that they're confused about the language. And so the feigned confusion was that this would somehow um, dissuade parents from not only taking the COVID vaccine, but all vaccines, right? This. And then a really weird allegation coming out of the, the, the lobbyists is that this would result in lawsuits against school nurses, which is really interesting because it kind of proves the parent's point, right? If you give a drug to a child without parental consent, there should be a lawsuit, right? <laughs> Especially, right? You should be sued. So that was really interesting. Like almost they're admitting to like what they're trying to avoid. They're avoiding any type of liability here. They just want to give this drug to everybody. 
um, whether there's parental consent or not, or whether the child may have already received the vaccine, they don't know, um, without parental, you know, uh, involvement, but also that, um, their Dr. Anu, Dr. Anu is the paid pharmacist who, who testifies as an MD on all of these bills involving informed consent with vaccines. And he proved the, the point. He said, this is FDA approved and safe and effective. None of these vaccines on the market are FDA approved for COVID. They're all EUA, emergency use authorized, meaning they're experimental. They're not FDA approved. Those vaccines were never produced. And so he proved the point, in my opinion, to these parents that doctors will tell minors, this is FDA approved, safe and effective. And you cannot, um, you cannot tell the public that an experimental or EUA product is safe and effective. Um, that those are two diverging worlds. It's either experimental or it's been proven safe and effective and FDA approved. So it's just interesting that um, he he gave false testimony and I urged that they would require Dr. Anu before he comes back in the future to bring in a vial that's FDA approved. They do not exist. And um, let me just list off the um I think there were like 75 lobbyists um, on Secretary of State's webpage that were they're monitoring. Monitoring is a term that they're really opposed to this bill, but they don't want to come out and say outright that they're opposed to parental consent. And uh, so they they say monitoring, which in most cases, not all, um, indicates they know that it will die in committee because of Democratic supermajority. So instead of saying we're opposed to it, these lobbyists register is just monitoring until it dies at the hands of the Democratic supermajority majority. So the people monitoring or oppose, there are a few that just outright oppose the bill. Let me list them off. The American Academy of Pediatrics, Colorado High School Activities, Children's Hospital, Colorado Association for School-Based Care, Colorado Bioscience Association, Colorado Children's Campaign, Colorado Early Ch Colleges, Colorado Education Association, Colorado Hospital Association, uh, Colorado uh, Immunization Advocates, that's the Farmer Shield Group for sure. Uh, Colorado Pharmacist Society, Colorado Public Health Association, Colorado Society of Osteopathic Medicine, Denver Health and Hospital Authority, Goal Academy, HCA, the healthcare company, Immunize Colorado, that is also a pharmaceutical organization, Kaiser Permanente, King Super, uh, Nomi Health, Pooter School District. Pooter um, School District in Northern <laughs> Colorado. I'm telling this, it gets insane. Hold on a few more. Uh, Quest Diagnostics, University of Colorado, and CDPHE. And the two organizations supporting parental consent were the Colorado Catholic Association and Christian Home Educators of Colorado. So my point in listing them off is that if you're thinking, what can we do? You need to boycott these organizations that are Damn, you know, even the PTA. Alert. Oh, sorry. Let you know what? I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. What you should do with this information? Let back to you, Heather. <laughs> That's for later. Okay. Right okay. now, I want to play even more. Uh, uh, I want to play a uh, clip of uh, who was it? It was Rep Brown. Who, Brown, that's right. Yeah, during his um, little spiel they give when they're going to give their vote, Rep. Brown said he just couldn't support this bill because there were so many farmers. He didn't use the word. You'll hear what he said, but basically he said, "I'm going to put pharma and profits over parents." And let's just that's right, he did. His, let's listen to his clip right now. Thank you, Madam Chair. I appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody who showed up to testify today. It's, it's clear that there are um, very strong feelings on this issue. And I appreciate the work um, that the representative has done in bringing this bill. Um, you know, for me, this bill is based on a false premise, which is that COVID vaccines are somehow required or that parents don't need to consent when their children receive these vaccines. And these premises are false. Um, I can't vote for something that's going to be duplicative and is inherently unnecessary. There are no laws that require COVID-19 vaccines to be given to children. They are not required for attending our schools. And in all cases, a, a vaccine 
in order for a child to receive a vaccine, they would need their a COVID vaccine, they would need their their parents' consent. I'm also swayed by the idea, the by the the testimony of medical organizations that have testified today. Um, opposing organizations include the American Academy of Pediatrics, Children's Hospital of Colorado, Colorado Access, the Colorado Association of School Nurses, the Colorado Children's Campaign, the Colorado Cross Disability Coalition, the Colorado Educational Associ Education Association, the Colorado Immunization Advocates, the Colorado Pharmacist Society, the Colorado PTA, the Colorado Public Health Association, Colorado Value Vaccine Equity Task Force, Immunize Colorado, and the Jeffco PTA. So I appreciate the work that the representative has done. I appreciate everyone who has come here today, but uh, this is not the right approach for Colorado. Well, so Pam, I wanna point out a couple uh, of, of a couple organizations that Rhett Brown pointed out that weren't on the list that you read. First, I just wanna say one more time, what is a school district doing, Hooter School District in Northern Colorado, what are they doing supporting or, or not monitoring, but going against this bill uh, on record? It is, why that school district? There's no other school districts doing that. The other interesting thing was the Jeffco PTA and the Colorado PTA. So the mommies that are on the PTA are against parental rights? This is insane. Right. It begs the question, did they do a stakeholder process? Did they take a vote at one of their meetings with their members and say, uh, we're, we are going to take a position on this bill um, that prohibits minor consent for an experimental drug? And, or did, did just three people in a room decide, um, you know, the lobbyists for the PTA or the school district just decide single-handedly, we will oppose this bill because it's part of their ideology. And I would encourage parents um, if you participate in the PTA or if this is your school district, Jeffco or Pooter, you, you need to start asking some tough questions on how they decide their positions on bills. Right. I mean, my big question was, are you being funded by someone who is asking you uh, to take certain positions on bills? Um, they are not representing their uh, students or parents. I didn't have a vote on anything. Um, so I think these are very interesting. Thanks, Rep Brown. Um, so there can was I mention, another- can, Yeah, can I mention the yeah. Representative Ortiz? Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about next. Um, I want you to talk about this, that the Denver Archdiocese, right? They were a organization that supported the bill. And then something really weird happened. And I, I want you to talk to us about that. So what is not weird is there's a trend and I almost laugh every time at the beginning of any type of vaccine bill, the chair lectures the audience like they are like uncivilized dissidents. She like they're like a rowdy bunch of kindergartners who have no self-control and you do not see this little behavioral lecture before any other topic. And it goes like this. Now we need to be respectful today and we, we can't lash out at people or attack representatives and we need to follow all the rules of civilized society, you know, go something like that. And it always makes me chuckle. And so, but I want you to focus on, there's always this, please don't attack representatives, right? Like this assumed we will attack representatives. Well, then what happened in this bill at the end with representative Ortiz is it was a reverse. I've never seen this before. He attacked the Denver Archdiocese for supporting parental consent. And I mean, he, his whole objection to the bill was, I am so offended because I'm a Catholic that um, the Archdiocese of Denver would support this bill. Um, so in other words, because um, Representative Ortiz is a Catholic, he takes offense that other Catholics do not hold the same uh, opinions of, as he does on parental consent. And again, the hypocrisy of attacking someone who came and had an opinion as their right as an individual or an organization to express their concerns about this bill or their support for this bill, in this case, their support. And it was just like bizarre world that he would go after this, uh, this you know, the Catholics of Denver for support. Let's supporting. hear it, Pam, should we? Oh, let's do it. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear uh, Rep Ortiz. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. And I want to thank Rep. Bradley for bringing this bill forward and for having the discussion. I will say that I did offer to have a discussion. I mean, I was a little skeptical when she first brought the bill forward, uh, but I did offer to have a real conversation with her and I really wasn't taken up on that offer. So I welcome it again, like one-on-one -on -one yeah. as a debrief. Um, and I really want to also thank everyone that came to testify today to kind of inform this discussion. Um, this is what we're here to do. So thank you for allowing us to have that purpose and to do our job. I do have serious concern about the Diocese of Denver coming in in support of this bill, um, specifically for the fact that the Pope and many church leaders have advocated support of the vaccine. Um, so, and I quote, thanks to God's grace to the work of many, and we now have vaccines to protect us from COVID-19. But again, getting the vaccine authorized by the respective authorities is an act of love. Helping others do the same, he said, is also an act of love. Love for oneself, love for other families and friends. Getting vaccinated is a simple and profound way to care for one another, especially the most vulnerable. Archbishop Jose Gomez uh, lamented the suffering and death that came from COVID-19. Mexican Cardinal Carlos Aguilar um, saying the praises of the vaccine. Honduran Cardinal Rodriguez also said the same. So I really am concerned about the fact that the Diocese of Denver decided to come here in support of this bill. When one, we have informed consent. Um, and two, I, talking about informed consent, I am very concerned to hear that there are violations of that. So I also invite everyone here that testified to that effect to please reach out to your state senators and state representatives and get those stories to us because we can't do anything unless we have those stories, that is a violation and should not be happening. Um, so I, I do think we have adequate protections on the book with informed consent and uh, with with exemptions for religious and medical, which I support. So please bring those forward to us. That's what we're here to do. I will be a no on this bill today. Okay. The reason why I booed when he went after Brandy Bradley, he tried to say, oh, I wanted to have a you know deeper discussion about this, but she didn't take me up on that. Boo, that is bad form. Um, he so, scolded the Archdiocese of Denver. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but and listen to the du duplicitousness of of saying, well, you know, we already have informed consent. But I heard today some some reports that we don't have informed consent, but we do have informed consent. So he is confusing that um, you, you can still get the vaccine. It doesn't matter that all the Archdiocese of Denver was supporting was parental consent right yeah so and i love how a lot of these democratic representatives they want to use religion when it's convenient and then they want to say it doesn't count when it's inconvenient and i find that really troubling um right the same democrats who said we don't honor religious exemptions yes. we're calling them non-medical from now on now are playing the well, you know, it's kind of confusing. You got to keep up. You got to, you know, you got to keep up with these lawmakers because, you know, just a few months ago, it was follow the science, but right. now it's an act of love. So, I mean, which is it? To vaccinate, is it following the science or an act of love? And, and does that apply if there are non-medical exemptions, the act right. of love part? I mean, whew, and is there we a got a lot of exemption or does religion not count or like, when does it count? Right. Um, when does it, it counts when it agrees with your agenda, I guess. So you just got to do these mental gymnastics. I know it's rough keeping up, Pam. And but you know what was really interesting is that you mentioned here we have this representative um, calling out the Denver Archdiocese who are there to give their opinion and the representatives, their job is to listen. Their job is not to uh, lash out at or correct or you know, dispute people giving testimony. And in our other bill this week in the HB 23-1003 hearing, there was a crazy thing that happened in there. Crazy, let's emphasize crazy. crazy thing. And um, I'm gonna set it up because Task Force Freedom, um, which is a group, I'm not actually sure exactly where they are, but um, they posted a video there. I mean, they're in Colorado. They posted a video on YouTube uh, of explaining this um, thing that happened during this testimony. So we're going to play that video, but I want to kind of set it up for you. Um, this video tells a story of two citizens, Ms. Chen and Ms. Bacino. Uh, self-incriminating, uber-sensitive legislator, Rep. Judah, 
an authoritarian chair who sides with her party, that's Mary Young, and kicks out a citizen, and another, another legislator, Rep Holtorf, who comes to the defense of Vincino and Chen. So that's kind of the cast of characters. So the stage is this. Hold your seats. <laughs> Get ready. So during public testimony of 11003, a brave and caring, caring mother named Victoria Chen, a Chinese American immigrant and US citizen whose second language is English, testified in favor of the bill. She talked about how she does not want secrets being kept from parents. Everyone needs to remember that this bill creates a survey for children, refers them to mental health counselors, all of which will be kept secret from parents if the child is 12 years old or above. And I just want to interject, you said that she testified for the bill, she's testifying against the bill. Sorry, thank you. Yes. This recording starts with the last part of the testimony of Didi Vecino, another citizen, who is defending Ms. Chen against a comment made to Ms. Chen by Democrat Representative Judah. We hear a short clip of Chen's testimony, followed by Rep. Judah telling Ms. Chen that she was offended by her testimony. Listen carefully for the reason for her offended feelings. Ms. Vecino tells Ms. Chen not to apologize to Rep. Judah and ultimately gets kicked out of the hearing for standing Crazy. up to Rep. Judah. Crazy. As she leaves the room, Ms. Vecino says, representatives will not attack their constituents. There is an applause from the audience. And as Vecino walks out of the room, she says, sometimes you got to stand up for what you believe in and do what is right. The video closes with an authoritarian chair, Mary Young and Representative Holtorf, Holtorf exchange of words. So remember, we're gonna hear Didi Vecino first. Let's go with that, with that clip. I have my popcorn. <laughs> We are now going to hear House Bill 23-1003. Next, uh, we have Ms. Didi Vecino. Didi Vecino, thank you. Please proceed. Again, I understand the intent of this bill, but I don't think this is the way to go around it. I thank you for your time. My understanding is that your job as representatives is to listen to your constituents and not bully them. Representative Judah, you felt insulted by Victoria Chen. Well, I and almost everyone in this room felt insulted by you. I, I, Thank you. I think you owe her an apology. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think as a parent, I know my kids for the best. If they have secrets from them, or if, if they dare not to tell me something, which means I'm not a good parent. And I'm, it, would be, it would mean a lot if the school can offer a better partnership. I think it's much better than to exclude the parents and not get any volume. Committee, are there any other further questions? Rep. Judah. Thank you. I, I, I want to be clear. When I was also stating my point earlier about kids having secrets. What you just said honestly offends me. I'm taking that as my, my parents weren't good parents. So we, we need to be careful about how we are wording our, our statements. Because just because your child has a secret does not reflect on you as a parent. I, I apologize. Yeah. We will discuss the issue of the bill, and we will not attack representatives. And representatives will not attack and their constituents. I, I'm Correct. going to ask you to leave. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, sometimes you got to stand up. The Madam Chair. The, there is no clapping in the chamber. Madam Chair, I'm going to file an objection right now. And the fact that you dismissed a citizen. And it is not okay for anybody to insult anybody in this room. I don't care which I, side of the table you're on. I, representative, I hear your concerns and I note your objection. So, how about that? Representative Judah was offended because Ms. Chen said that if 
there's secrets kept from parents, then the parents aren't good parents. Remember, it's her second language. And Miss Judah said that Miss Chen insulted Miss Judah's parents. She's offended, Pam. Wow. I mean, this is like the the newest level of snowflake. Um, I mean, we should create a snowflake award for this because I have seen some crazy hearings and some crazy testimony. I've seen people who will not leave the hearing room and security was involved. Like um, this was, there was no justification in this entire scenario where someone should have been ejected from the hearing room. And this is a dangerous precedent and we need we need that an official objection filed. We need maybe the ethics committee involved, some type of training on what justifies or a list of what justifies ejecting a citizen from a hearing room. But I'm not, I've seen so much worse crazy than this, that I mean, this is does not meet any level of citizen crazy. Um, and people have been allowed to stay after, you know, interrupting a chair or, or saying something that was very um, volatile and outright insulting. I mean, I have seen it all and this does not even come close to uh, needing to eject someone to keep, you know, peace and order and all that. No, and, and Didi Bacino was 100% right that it is not the job of a legislator to correct a citizen, to cry about being offended, to that poor Ms. Chen left in tears and hope, hopefully she will come back because she gave a great testimony and it was very brave of her to come. But these representatives are now intimidating citizens and that is what is totally unacceptable and took this week to a whole new level with the representatives. Exactly. And um, I, I think it's good that we're bringing awareness to this level of cattiness that so people know what they're getting into, like expect it, like this is a tactic that they're using. Um, I saw something similar over in the hearing for um, 1029, where a parent basically said, you know, if you give a vaccine without consent, then that makes you liable and potentially for murder if the child, the minor dies in the chair, like the word murder, like just triggered the chair. Like she was just kept interrupting her. She only had two minutes. She said, um, oh, stick to the bill, stick to the bill. And this parent was very much talking to the bill and um, the parent left frustrated. But what I told that parent when they left is you hit a nerve, that's okay. You hit a nerve. It was uncomfortable, but you hit a nerve. So you, I mean, to even bring, I can't imagine bringing my parents into any discussion, you know, from my childhood into any bill that is on, you know, that has been introduced in the, in the assembly right now. There's just total gaslighting, right? This had nothing to do with the representative's parents. Exactly. It was just absurd. And we cannot let these people intimidate uh, intimidate uh, people giving testimony and we cannot let them create this hostile environment. And if they want to try, then we can just stand up even stronger the next time. So everybody keep on going, keep on right, going. Like, wear like a badge of honor. If you get kicked out of a hearing room for, you know, saying, Hey, I think it's wrong to keep secrets from your parents. Boom. That is a badge of honor that your mission accomplished. Good on you. Yep. So, uh, that's kind of the recap of the week. And now, Pam, I know you're dying to get to this because you tried, you did a little spoiler alert before, but I did. You put, I did. <laughs> you put together something called the Serious Shot Seven. And these are yes. things. Say that, that three times fast. <laughs> <laughs> these are things that everyone can do right now on an ongoing basis to make a difference. And while you're doing these things, you've got to be vocal about the reasons. So Pam, why don't you start in on our serious shot seven uh, opportunities for uh, improving our position here, go. Okay, number one is boycott these organizations who do not support parental consent. Um, review those organizations from Rep, Rep Brown's list, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Children's Hospital Colorado, Colorado Access, Colorado Children's Campaign, Colorado Education Association, Colorado Association of School Nurses, Colorado Immunization Advocates, 
none of our people support those. Uh, Colorado Pharmacist Society, Colorado Cross Disability Coalition, Colorado Children's Campaign, Colorado Vaccine Equity Tax Force, that's a new one. Immunize Colorado, none of our people support them. Uh, Jeffco PTA, the Colorado PTA, the Colorado Public Health Association. You, we have to bankrupt these organizations who are not in favor of parental consent because I, I know this might be controversial, but you, if you think about it, you know, we're, most people are not directly funding the Democratic Party with these agendas. But if you are giving your money to these organizations, then you are indirectly funding Democratic agendas like these vaccine mandates, these mental health assessments, so many other things. So Pam, let's, let's take an example of this, okay? We talked about, we've talked about this before. Let's talk about it again, because I love to talk about this. The American Academy of Pediatrics supports this bill, right? So when you take your child to a pediatrician who belongs to the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, you are supporting the American Academy of Pediatrics because that physician pays dues to the American Academy of Pediatrics to be a part of it. So let's take our kids to physicians, if you must, um, that are not members of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Find a naturopath, find a family practice doctor that isn't part of the AAP, that is more in alignment with your family's philosophy. Don't support AAP uh, pediatricians. That's easy. Done. It's so easy. There's so many other types of doctors. You don't have to see a pediatrician for your kids. Um, so, I mean, yeah, boom, that's easy. Uh, yeah. Turn your back on these people who are turning their backs on parental consent. Okay. Two, boycott these school surveys and assessments that we talked about with HB 1003. There's others though. There's um, the behavioral risk factor surveillance system, Healthy Kids Colorado survey, Colorado Healthy School Smart Source. I am telling you the Office of Gun Control Prevention is using these surveys to data mine uh, children, minors, to um, profile them. To, these are not to help them. These are to data mine and to flag them so that at some point in the future, if they indicate they have anxiety or stress or you know any level of you know symptom on these surveys, that potentially this will be used later in their life for either a label, diagnosis, treatment, or the fact that these are all being used by the Office of Gun Control or Gun Violence Prevention at CDPG that tied to you might not be able to own a gun in the future. Um, you know, disqualification of gun ownership is what we're talking about where this could lead. This, these are serious things. They're, the risk of these surveys far outweighs any potential benefit of participating in these surveys. Right. And can I just, because in case some people, if there's, I, I literally feel like last week was like uh, 20 weeks happened in last week. So some people might be like, what is she talking about? The Office of Gun Violence Protection. So I just want to, for anyone who doesn't know what Pam's talking about, CDPHE, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, who is behind all the bad vaccine bills that we've been fighting for years and years, has just started a an office of uh, gun, what, what is it called, Pam? Office gun of- Gun Violence Prevention. Office of Gun Violence Prevention under CDPHE. So, we expect to see CDPHE due to guns, what they did with vaccines, a slow creep and a slow infringement on rights. It's a way to circumvent the law, the legislative process by creating rules and um, rulemaking hearings and, and other regulations by unelected officials at CDPHE. So that's what Pam's talking about. And on their website, this gun task force website or under CDPHE, they say that they pull from these surveys. So I wanna talk real quick, since we're talking about surveys, about the Healthy Kids Survey, because that's one they use. The Healthy Kids Survey is used for all kinds of things, all kinds of policy decisions that CDPHE does, um, different agendas. They say that it's anonymous, but each school gets their own results from their kids at the school. There's a middle school survey. There's a high school survey. And we know that the kids take these surveys on their computers. Their computers are 
given to them. So each kid has their own computer that's assigned to them. So um, I don't know, maybe we have a data expert who could leave us some comments after the podcast. Is there a way to find out which kid took which survey if it's they took it on their own computer from school? So I, I don't know. Um, but what I, I looked at the surveys, and this is pretty crazy, I think. The high school survey has 152 questions. Whoa. The middle, right? The middle school survey has 98 questions. I'm going to read the first 10 questions because I think at a average small middle-sized high school you could probably narrow down these results and get really close to the kid who filled it out so so mm -hmm. here we go how old are you 12 13 14 15 16 17 or 18 what grade are you in what is your gender identity some people describe some, themselves as transgender when their sex at birth does not match the way they think or feel about their gender are you transgender which of the feeling, which of the following best describes you? Heterosexual, gay or lesbian, bisexual, asexual. I describe my sexual identity in some other way. I'm not sure about my sexual identity. I don't know what this question is asking. So three questions about sexual identity, all ask in different ways. What racial or Creepy. ethnic Yeah, what racial or ethnic identity identity do you most identify with? What's the highest level of schooling that your mother completed? Do you have any physical disabilities or long-term health problems? Do you have any long-term emotional problems or learning disabilities? In the past 30 days, how often did you go to the school building to attend classes in person? And where are you right now while taking the survey? So those 11 questions, I think I could narrow that down if I were a school administrator to which kid answered this pretty closely, don't you, Pam? especially in these small rural schools like exactly. you know who who john smith is now just by those questions right you've already identified him without even using any data analytics or like ip address right so i just want to go through these different sections of this of this healthy kids survey i'm not going to go through every question i'm just going to go through the topics okay so the next question the next section asks about safety cars stuff like that seatbelts. The next one, re violence related behaviors. Then before they get into the really gnarly questions, there's a thing that says, as a reminder, this survey is completely anonymous, meaning your answers will be kept private. Then they go right. into sexual experiences. Inappropriate. Um, yeah, you know, have you ever tried, you know, forced someone to have sex with you? Those kind of questions. Wow, self-incrimination. Yeah, the next question asks about bullying. The next question talks about hurting yourself on purpose. The next question is stress, sad feelings, and attempted suicide. Remember, they won't tell your parents if you attempt suicide, if you're suicidal necessary. Maybe with suicide, they might tell your parents, but if you yeah. answer gender questions or any other things, your parents won't know. Um, tobacco use is the next one. Then they go into vaping questions, lots of questions about all those. Secondhand smoke and vapor, so are your parents smoking in the house, um, drinking alcohol. Then it talks about marijuana use, a lot of questions on that. Um, wow, lots of questions on marijuana use. Prescription drugs not prescribed to you by a, a, a doctor, other drugs, sexual health. Um, here's a little section about food. Do you eat your fruits and vegetables? Physical. Oh, that's so good that they included that in there, a little, a little nod right. to nutrition for this whole health survey. A little wholesomeness in the survey. <laughs> Physical activity. It's a wholesome survey. Uh, concussions. <laughs> your home life. Uh, your school. Uh, other health-related topics. Interestingly, in here, um, they talk about how much sleep you get. Uh, if you wanted to get a handgun, how easy it would be for you to get one. How long would it take you to get and be ready to fire a loaded gun? This survey doesn't ask you specifically about gun ownership in your home, um, but I have a feeling that might get added now that we've got this office within CDPHE. Um, I have heard parents say that one of these surveys, I don't remember which one, asked, do your parents own guns? Do your parents go to church? I mean, the, the questions get really inappropriate. Yeah. 
experiences with racism, and then some questions about how much they screwed you up with their COVID-19 policies. So um, that's a lot of personal questions on a survey that supposedly, um, you know, benefit of the doubt, it's anonymous, but um, I would never, I, I do every year at school a, um, an opt-out for all surveys. And I recommend that parents do an opt-out for all surveys. Um, and you can find, um, you can find places on the internet that will give you templates. Um, trying to remember where the, oh, you know where it is. You can find it, the um, templates for opting out of surveys under the studentprivacymatters.org or a commercialfreechildhood.org. Child, commercial we'll put those in the notes of the podcast, but I think those are two good places to find opt-out forms for surveys. And anytime your school sends you a notice about a survey, you make sure that you opt your kids out and even keep your kids home from school that day, because we know with this behavioral health survey that they're trying to put through with 1003, even if you opt out, your kid can op opt in at school. Right, Pam? Right. And I just discovered this, I, I don't know, is it New Group Courage is a Habit? They've written some hard-hitting articles for kimmunson.com about how the school counselor really is working against parents. So is, is do they have opt-out forms as well? Do you know, Heather? They Courage? do have opt-out forms. Um, yes. Oh, actually, you know what? They may be the, yes, they have opt-out forms for surveys. They have opt-out forms for other types of things. They're a good place to go. But um, maybe, oh yeah, you know what? You're right, Pam. Sorry, I was confused on that. It is courage for a hab courage is a habit for the surveys and assessments. And the ones I gave just now are actually for the school directory opt-out, which we're going to get to, right? Okay. Well, look at you with your little spoiler right there. Hold, hold fire. Hold yep. on. Let's hold. We're, this is a list of the seven. Uh, what do we call this? The serious seven. So number one is boycott any organization that doesn't support parental rights. Uh, number two was boycott these surveys and assessments. And Heather gave us a uh, courage is a habit for opt out forms and, and, and have that conversation with your kids about you know, you start taking a survey and you, it starts feeling creepy, you need to cease work, like stop, walk away. Uh, number three is um, the school vaccine clinic. So we just learned last week that CDPG has requested $53 million in additional funding for the 2023 budget. This is above and beyond what they already have from all the COVID money laundering for more vax clinics at schools, more mobile clinics, um, in a very creepy partnership with AmeriCorps, which is partnered with um, this creative artist agency where actors will, will promote and market the vaccines to, to children, students, minors. Um, that's a whole, we could probably do a whole podcast. I think Bayford is a part of the CAA. I think it's creepier than that because people, um, when I've been talking about it, have been, been informing that this CAA was was Weinstein's, um, you know, the the predatory um, Hollywood manager who uh, who harmed many young women in the industry and weaponized them um, for their for their careers. He is a part of this. Like this is where he, you know, he these are his stomping grounds right here at the creative artist agency. So and they're partnering with CDPHE. Is that what you're telling me? Well, and this is classic CDPHE. They're telling the public in the budget request that they're partnering with AmeriCorps. Then you uh, go a step further and AmeriCorps has partnered with creative artists uh, agency. So you have to go one step, one step further to see what's real. This is what they call augmented intuition. Um, it's propaganda. It's a fancy word for propaganda. That's like I said, it's not going to be science-based. It's going to be celebrity endorsement, right? Some big stars that appeal to young people will be selling this vaccine because we have a 33% you know, uptake or on the COVID vaccine for children ages five to 11. That's very low. And of course they're going to use all of this money, 53 million and these shady organizations to market this vaccine to children. 
So I would suggest on the day that your school has a vaccine clinic or a mobile clinic, that also might be an opportunity to remove your child from school. And like Heather said, be vocal about it. I am protest. My kid is not coming to school today because you're having a vaccine clinic to sell a drug, an experimental drug. And that is not appropriate for school, for education. That is healthcare and they should be separate. Um, anything you want to add to that, Heather? About yeah, take your kids cutting- somewhere where they actually learn something that day. Go to a museum or go to on a nature hike and learn about the plants and name all the flowers and press things in books and have an amazing day <laughs> while you are away from the school that has the back bus in front. I love the suggestion of pressing flowers in books while I'm protesting in the mobile vax clinic in my community. I just, I don't know why that's, uh, that sounds like, like the most positive thing you can do. It's the day of hope and opportunity, Pam. (laughs) You know me, I'm all about hope and opportunity. So number four, I got to get through this list. Boycott the school directory. And I'm, I'm, uh, I lost my bearings here, but thinking about pressing flowers into a book, but (laughs) I don't remember where I read, but I know I read and I shared it with my peeps that somewhere CDPG requested school directories. Now it's not a mandate. Schools do not have to give handover school directories to CDPG, but you know how this works. It's like Pooter, Pooter School District just, you know, opposed parental rights. These, some of these school districts will bend over backwards to accommodate CDPG, whether it's required or not. And my concern here is when I read that, like, why would CDPG want school directories? And I started connecting the dots because I'm kind of the, the cis guru of our, of our group of the, so there are students that are unaccounted for that are not in cis, right? And CDPG desperately wants to know who those students are, right? Um, and so I think by providing the school directories, CDPG can then take everyone enrolled in CIS, which is the vaccine registry, and then compare it to the school directory and say, aha, here's all those missing students that we don't have in our tracking registry. Um, So all of that to say, that is my hypothesis and and very good reason to opt out of the school directory and boycott. Let me me say this in the correct place now, because I was a little mixed up. This is where studentprivacymatters.org and commercialfreechildhood.org have great student directory opt-out forms. And we, again, we will put that in our notes, okay? The fact that there are organizations who are way ahead of us on this that are saying you need to opt out of these school directories tells me it's probably what they're using this information for way more nefarious ways than we, we have even hypothesized here today. It's not just CDPG using this data. That's what that tells me. Okay. 100%. Number five, we're on my list almost to seven. Boycott any church that says loving your neighbor means you should get vaccinated or vaccination is an act of love. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pam, can I double down on that? Please. How about about, uh, boycott any church that brings a vaccine bus to the church? Absolutely. You know, it, and I think churches are, many churches are starting to awaken that there's an agenda going on here. And, um, you know, I, over the years have found it very interesting of the health um, prayer requests of churches, uh, knowing what vaccine injuries are. And, and then the, that same church that has a very long uh, prayer list for people's medical issues also hosts a vaccine clinic at their church. And some of these prayer requests are over what we know are vaccine injuries. Now, I know that's a very controversial thing to say, but again, let's separate healthcare from our schools and our churches. They shouldn't, we should not be endorsing experimental drugs. Amen. Okay. Number six, boycott any businesses that track your vaccination status. This week, I was reading a Daniel Horowitz um, article about how um, the world has basically adopted uh, vaccine refusal codes or partially vaccinated codes. Now, people in our podcast are not new. We we have known for a while that there are vaccine refusal codes that a, a pediatrician can put into the database that a person was due for a vaccine and refused it. And that is now expanded to any doctor can put in 
um, in various levels of the COVID vaccine, either straight out refusal, only partially vaccinated, not boosted, um, which is concerning to a lot of people for good reason. Um, but the point I was getting to is when Daniel Horowitz was talking about this a code for vaccine refusal, which is not a disease. Usually our diagnostic codes are for some type of disease or disorder. Um, but that a person put in the comments with, with proof that American Airlines, when she signed up for a flight and looked at her boarding information, had her vaccination status. Um, and this is on Twitter. Um, so that is new information to me in, in American Airlines. Um, the little information she was able to get said that a third party travel agency gave it to them. And so they're, they're, they think they're fine. They haven't violated anyone's privacy. I think we will see more of this pop up and we need to talk about it. And um, we need backlash. We need to boycott any airline that is tracking your vaccination status. Yes. And let's not forget that this last year, uh, there were counties, Boulder did it, uh, Larimer County tried to do it, vaccine passports for businesses, uh, that if there are businesses that partook in that in Boulder, uh, or if there were businesses that you know were pushing for that in your county, it's probably best to let them know that you'll never be going to their business again and let them know why. Right, unless there is a, I mean, just gut-wrenching apology with conviction of how wrong and what a trespass that was on people's medical privacy. I mean, sincere, like, repentance. Um, not just like, oops, we overstepped, <laughs> you right. know, my bad. Um, right, we all know that some of these um, influencers and media personalities are trying to, you know, kind of backpedal a little bit. A little backpedal is not good enough for me. It needs to be like a 180 about face turnaround. I was wrong and um, and never again, right? That's the criteria it needs to be for forgiveness. Absolutely. Okay. And number seven, my final item on my serious shot seven boycott list is, is boycott CIS, the Colorado Immunization Information System, and any doctors that use CIS, I, I've had this conversation numerous times um, in the last two weeks. P um, people think that this whole vaccine refusal code, this um, diagnostic code is new just for the COVID vaccine. And, I, and I'm like, sorry, no, it's been going on for years where you think, oh, I told my doctor, no, thank you. I don't want, let's say the HPV vaccine for my child. And the doctor says, okay, maybe he doesn't make a snide remark or you know, maybe there's no conflict, verbal conflict, but behind your back puts a code in the database that says you refuse this vaccine. So you oh, can and get notes reminded. In the chart. And notes in the chart. Not always notes in the charts, though, because parents can re can request the electronic medical record, and they they tend to hide the controversial stuff. I so, um, right. So, just know that any doctor that's using the CIS database is is does not have your back, even if they don't say anything to your face behind your back. They're coding refusals, and that will prompt CDPG to send you reminders, recall notices and potentially a home visit. So that is, that is another, the final, the seventh item on things we can boycott to send a, and vocally say, the reason why I'm sorry I can't be in your practice anymore is because you use the CIS database and that's just data binding my children for the rest of their lives. And that's not privacy. Pri people keep saying that CIS is confidential. This is a lie. Confidential is when medical information stays between you and your doctor. You cannot put medical information in a database and share it with the state. The state shares it with like countless um, organizations, researchers, and paid subscribers and call that confidential. That, that is absurd. So you just tell your doctor, you don't believe in patient confidentiality using this database whatever your reasons are, that's fine, but I'm going to start seeing a doctor who does not use this database. Yeah, and <laughs> the best thing about the, the Serious Shot 7 is you can do them today, you can do them tomorrow, you can do them anytime, it's so easy. It You don't have to even write a letter, you just have to say, I'm doing this because of this, and you don't, you do not support these different things that Pam has gone over, these seven, 
and we will we will also put those in our comments just real briefly we'll remind you of what those serious seven are and then pam really quickly before Wait, we say goodbye, and, oh what maybe we just hand off like when we, we say goodbye to all these um pharma shills we just hand them like a pressed flower that was in our book that we just made <laughs> <laughs> And they'll be like, why do I keep getting these pressed flowers? Pressed flower campaign. That's sweet. <laughs> All right. So we have one more thing, though, that does take a little bit of time and is something that we need to do right now. It's due before February 22nd. And it is uh, about CDPHE's upcoming rulemaking. And it's really important, guys. Remember, CDPHE has taken over all vaccine uh, everything, the rulemaking, the legislators don't have to do anything anymore. CDPHE is just, they're going to rule make and we've got to, we've got to hound them. So Pam, can you talk to about that a little bit? So, right. This rulemaking was introduced in January and seven people submitted, um, written feedback of opposition and CDPHE had their immunization department, uh, say how they're proceeding forward with it. Uh, because all the medical you know organizations that we listed previously support it and what it's about is titers testing in that they're they will if if you want to claim an exemption based on titers if you didn't know that you can you can say i have immunity to um you know diphtheria tetanus pertussis or uh, measles mumps rubella or hepatitis b well what um the health department is proposing is that for um you, you have to have all of the titers for it. To exempt from the DBT, you need titers positive for all three DPT. Um, same for MMR, you need all three measles, mumps, rubella. And for hepatitis B, this one is especially egregious is they're not recognizing natural immunity at all. Uh, CDPG is saying there's, there is a serology test for um, uh, immunity to hepatitis B, but they're saying they will only honor vaccine, um, the full shot series for hepatitis B. And this is problematic for a lot of reasons. This is that incremental slippery slope that they're really good at that um, where they will invalidate natural immunity for all other illnesses. And hepatitis B is, it should be controversial because this is a, an illness that affects prostitutes and drug users. So we should just be able to say, no, thank you. Uh, I'm not at risk for this for this disease. And I should not have to prove that I went through a four shot series and maybe have immunity, maybe don't. Um, again, like this is one of those shots where back in the day when you would travel when I was in my twenties and go through customs or immigration. And if you had hepatitis B shots on your shot record, you would get extra scrutiny because they wanted to make sure that you weren't like a sex worker or a drug trafficker coming into their country. Um, and, but here in America, we act like everybody needs an hepatitis B shot at birth. Um, this is egregious. And I would just, I would love for just an outpouring of people to write into CDPHE before February 22nd, or even, even and or testify at the Board of Health meeting on February 15th um, to say, you know, we, we don't need, we should not need to prove that we took a four shot series of hepatitis B um, to go to college or to get a job or go to school. This is something that affects a small, um, you know, population of people. And again, will this set precedent for the monkeypox vaccine? Do we all, will we all be required to get the monkeypox vaccine? We're not even calling it monkeypox anymore. The CDPG is calling it mpox because it's so controversial. Um, again, that is something that affects uh, the gay community and not the you know larger public. So we really need to nip before these types of rules take effect. Um, and, and it takes a lot of backlash to do that. Yeah, and so what we're going to do is we're going to, also in the notes for this podcast, we're going to put a link to an article that Pam wrote that will help you if you need a little bit more, like a, a little better idea of what to write to CDPHE, you can read it. And just, you don't have to write a lot. You have to just write something. If you can testify, it's online. You have to sign up before it please do that. Um, and the more pushback that we can give to CDPHE, the better. Um, 
so we'll we'll put that article in there too because it's really helpful for understanding this rulemaking hearing and also what to say um and you do need to sign up in advance before February 15th, whether it's on the schedule or off the schedule, just find a place there's, it's kind of complicated intentionally, but I will just say, go to the Board of Health website, all the information's there. You have to sign up to participate. You have to sign up to provide feedback. You have to sign up to testify in the right place in the agenda. You'll figure it out. Um, but I, I would just like to add, this is a teaser maybe for the future that we, we, CHCA is at war with the Board of Health right now, and I can't really say much more than that because lawyers are involved um, about these online-only meetings, and we are we are reaching out to allies in other areas that are affected by CDPHE, and um, we, we could use some prayer over. We need these meetings to be back in person because online meetings facilitate not taking public input and not responding to the public and them only taking input for people who are yes men and support their agendas. That's right. And then finally, please join our Telegram channel. It keeps you updated on bills and these types of things like um, the rulemaking hearings of CDPHE or sign up on our website for uh, our email list. And you'll also get those reminders and you'll hear when the podcasts come out. So if you haven't done that already, please please do both of those things. Um, under the podcast announcement in Telegram, please leave us comments or suggestions and we might give a shout out to you. Um, oh yes, people have been sending comments about the podcast and like Sadie and driving across Arkansas. We wanna give a shout out to you listening to the podcast and uh, you know, saying like, look, I need to get involved in my local group. You guys really inspired me. So shout out to Sadie. Sadie in Arkansas. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back talking about something else. Sometime <laughs> I can't wait. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>